Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit AT&T.com slash hypergig with details. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks. And today I have with me Jonathan Strickland, a writer. Hey there. That's my radio voice. All right. Speaking of radio, uh, today we're going to discuss a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which is satellite radio. Mm. Uh, And I should confess that it's near and dear to my heart for a couple reasons. One, I've been a satellite radio subscriber since 2002. Uh, I am also, I'm honestly, on the on, you know, sake of clarity, I am a stockholder of what is now Sirius XM Radio, since the two of them merged not too long ago. Um, so, of course, feel free to uh, throw things at me if I get too uh, excited. I always do. All right. So, uh, satellite radio. You might say... That's sort of an odd idea. Well, yeah, you know, this is not Marconi's idea of radio, you know, which was essentially that the uh, frequencies are traveling through the air and you pick them up uh, once they've been broadcast. And those signals, AM, you know, carries a ways and FM carries a ways. And they both have their uh, advantages and disadvantages. But satellite radio, 
um, is bounced off of satellites that are in orbit around the Earth. And uh, the uh, enhancement here is it's got more bandwidth uh, than the average FM signal. So you're getting more information in the signal. You're probably getting better quality sound. And uh, it also allows you to listen to channels on the go. Uh, you can basically, if you're in the United States or Canada, you're able to subscribe to satellite radio and you could drive from one end of the country to the other without losing the signal that you're listening to. Right. You wouldn't have to sit there and keep fiddling with your radio and try and find that one station that's not playing country. Exactly. Right. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty nifty for, for music aficionados, especially, uh, speaking again and, and, you know, from my own personal experience, <laughs> because both, uh, what have been operating as individual companies, Sirius Satellite Radio and XM Satellite Radio, uh, in the United States and Canada, both of them offer dozens of music channels. Um, they also offer a variety of other programming, news, sports, talk radio, uh, talk radio mm-hmm. public radio, uh, special interest radio, um, traffic and weather. You know, so the people who subscribe to satellite radio are the kind of people who want a, a diversity of programming and they want it on no matter where they go. It's primarily used by uh, people in, in cars and trucks, although, you know, some of us bring ours in and listen to it at our desk while we're working. Right. Um, so it's uh, that's essentially, in a nutshell, what satellite radio is. Right. And and before the merger, uh, when you could talk about XM and Sirius as two separate companies, uh, you could really talk about the differences between them. Now, the, those differences still exist, even though it's one company, you have two different systems that you're working with. And we should give you a little quick rundown on that. And now XM Radio has uh, four satellites that travel in a geostationary orbit. That means they stay in a fixed position above the Earth. Um, so as the Earth turns, uh, these stay exactly where they are. And it's supposed to give you that coverage that Chris was talking about nationwide. Thank, thank you, Arthur C. Clarke. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so those, uh, those are named uh, Rock Roll, Rhythm, and Blues. Which is uh, much cooler sounding than XM1, XM2, XM3. They're also named that. But anyway, uh, (laughs) moving on. Now, Sirius, they also have four satellites. Uh, One of them is geostationary. The other three are not, which means that they actually kind of drift over the United States in a certain pattern. And... um, Now, the coverage is still there. It's just that it's... uh, as, As one... Satellite is moving away from covering North America. Another satellite is coming directly over North America. So you theoretically, you don't lose any coverage that way. Um, so those are the, those are the differences, uh, just from satellite point of view, but it, they also use different proprietary coding. So if you have a Sirius radio, you can't pick up and decode XM signals and vice versa. Not yet. Not yet. Um, you were theoretically supposed to at some point, but that never happened, although it's supposed to happen now that they are one company. Yeah, the uh, the merger was a very, very long process in coming. Uh, it had to overcome a number of objections. Uh, you know, there were major lobbying groups like the National Association of Broadcasters who mm-hmm. were against it. Uh, they argued, and, and, and you might, as the listener, uh, argue that, hey, you know, there were two companies, now there are only one. Yeah, in fact, the FCC, uh, as part of the condition of giving them licenses to operate these services, uh, expressly said, you know, you may not merge. 
But, uh, you know, market conditions, it's not cheap to launch a satellite. No. <laughs> um, and maintain it and maintain the, you know, the number of people it takes and do all the advertising to get people to sign up. So both of these companies have been operating at a loss for, for quite some time. I mean, they're making some money, but it takes a lot of money to, to get more subscribers. Right. So, uh, you know, that was a lot of the reason behind why they were trying to merge. And eventually they overcame the objections of, uh, of the lobbyists and the well, they didn't overcome those, but the the government agency agencies like the uh, Department of Justice, the SEC, the FCC finally came together and decided, well, it's it's okay. It was sort of grudging. They had to give up a lot, uh, twenty million dollars mm-hmm. uh, fee. They had to freeze rates for three years. You know, a lot of things that they they had to do. It was very uh, you know difficult for them to do it, but they finally merged. And and it wasn't it wasn't a blowout by any means. Uh, the FCC came to a decision. It was a three-two decision. Yep. So three-four, two against, and um, and I mean, you might be shocked to hear this, but it went straight down party lines. Uh, three Republicans voting for the merge, and two Democrats saying, "Please no." So um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's one of those things that people still feel a little. Uh, unsure about. For one thing, there's the concern that since there's only one satellite radio company really in the United States at this point, uh, it's a monopoly. Now, the the counterpoint to that argument is to say that no, of course not. Satellite radio is is competing with many other uh, industries. Now, they're they're not other satellite radio companies. Not but, in the United States and Canada. Right. There right. are others in the world. Right. Exactly. I'm just talking the about the U.S. and yeah, right. North America here. So. Um, so what you're talking about here is, is competing with things like just traditional radio. Mm-hmm. So traditional radio versus satellite radio, or even things like personal music devices like iPods or other MP3 players, um, or even the iPhone. Uh, one of the most popular new applications on the 3G iPhone is Pandora, which is a streaming radio, uh, web application. And you can get music on that and it, it'll just start pulling music and playing it through your, your iPhone. So, so the FCC said, all right, you know, that does sound like that's enough basis for competition. So this really isn't a monopoly. Uh, that's how they kind of got through that. Yeah, it's funny that uh, that you would talk about those objections because uh, also, in the in- interest of disclosure, uh, when I signed up for uh, satellite radio, um, I was working for one of the major, uh, the two satellite television providers in the United States. And mm-hmm. at that time, in 2001, 2002, they were looking at the possibility of merging DirecTV and Dish Network. And an article in the Wall Street Journal just the other day, since Sirius and XM were allowed to merge, uh, said that they, that Dish Network is actually considering, uh, the possibility of another merger attempt. Now, they were denied the opportunity to do that because, uh, the, the people who are against it, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is off the top of my head, the NAB opposed that too. Um, but it, but that's a little bit different situation. Unlike, Radio and iPods and all the other things that you can do with with audio signals. Um, people in rural areas, say uh, the mountains of West Virginia, you can't just lay more television cable. It's very very difficult to do that. So the only competition satellite TV has in those areas is regular broadcast TV. So you might be limited to a very few stations versus you know, the depth and breadth of satellite TV programming, which is why they were unable to merge before. That was the big uh, contingent, you know, who was against it, saying it was a monopoly there. 
That's why mm-hmm. they were successfully able to argue that. But there's a lot more that satellite radio competes with than uh, than just those options. So th- I think that's probably what was maybe the deciding factor. At least it would have been for me. Right, but it might set a precedent. We'll have to just wait and see and see if uh, if that lays the groundwork for satellite television mergers down the line. Um, just to, to get back to the, the discussion about the cars, uh, something interesting I read was that uh, some car manufacturers might not be so thrilled about the, the merger of XM and Sirius because uh, a lot of cars are now including satellite radio um, as one of the options you can have. And, uh, and different car dealer or uh, car models, car manufacturers have made deals with either XM or Sirius. So it was one way to differentiate the model from other cars. And now that method of differentiation is gone because they're the same company. And that's interesting. I never really thought that that, that that would be a bad thing. I thought it would be a good thing because it makes it much easier. You, know, you have a, a, you know, you've consolidated your choices. You don't have to make that choice, right? Right. But, um, it turns out that that's not as simple as I thought. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's funny because it's also both services are offered with, uh, satellite TV. Now they, if you're a direct TV subscriber, you get, uh, XM channels as your music. Uh, if you're a, uh, Dish Network subscriber, you get Sirius music channels uh, included with your TV. So, uh, I wonder, you know, I haven't seen anything about that, but I wonder if that's going to be an issue for them. They they have a lot of agreements that they have in place that they're going to have to, to work out. And that's why, uh, you're not going to see a, a dramatic shift suddenly in the number of channels if you are a subscriber or the kind of channels because they're, they're, they've got a lot of issues yet to work out having a chipset that picks up uh, signals from both kinds of uh, of those satellites. Right. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a while before they really get the kinks worked out. Actually, that, that leads me – I don't mean to put you on the spot here. Uh-huh. But I'm just curious what you think the uh, – the viability of satellite radio is. I mean, seriously, you're talking about a uh, subscription-based service, so people are paying for this. Um, when they can get things like Pandora, like internet radio, uh, when they can get things like a, a traditional radio, um, do you think that uh, satellite radio really is does have a future after this merger? Yes and no. I think the idea is is viable i think it's it's sort of like a dvr technology where it's got a mass but it doesn't seem to have reached critical mass mm. um i think that they have both well sirius xm radio uh the new company has an awful lot of debt to work off right um and i honestly think that if the merger had not gone through that they would have uh, had a very difficult time surviving i don't think both of them maybe not either of them would have survived that now um, you know, with the semi-monopoly conditions, that also opens the field. I think it would be very easy if you had the wherewithal to do it, uh, to launch another satellite radio service to compete with Sirius XM. Um, you know, because then you could say, well, hey, you know, there's a monopoly out here. I want to compete with them. Hmm. You know, I think it would be much easier for a new player to get in the market and compete with it. And I think, you know, there's only so much iPod that you can take before right. you go, you know what, I just want somebody else to spin something new that I haven't heard before. Right. And and I do remember reading something about them being locked into, uh, they couldn't go over a certain subscription fee for a couple of years after the merger, which, as you point out, that means that if someone else were to come in, they could they could uh, take advantage of that. I mean, if, if that amount of money isn't enough to keep the company afloat, 
then uh, then they may it may have just prolonged the inevitable. That's true. Well, I guess that about wraps up this podcast. Uh, if you would like to learn more, please read How Satellite Radio Works on HowStuffWorks.com, and we'll talk to you again soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.